Father, we thank you, God, this morning that, Lord, it's purely your grace, O Master, Lord. Lord, we know, Lord, where we were, and Father, it's your hand that has lifted us up. It is your grace, O Master, Lord. Oh, the riches, the abundance of your grace. Father, we just want to thank you for your grace this morning. And Father, we ask, Lord, that you would speak to us as only you can. Master, that you would quicken your word to us, Lord. The word just which transforms us, Lord. The word just washes us, O God. The word which revives us in the inner man, O God. The word which resurrects, O God. Father, we ask that you would speak to us, Lord. Lord, that we would receive the engrafted word with all humility, Master. We thank you. Write your word upon our hearts. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. And please be seated. God bless. You know, uh, now that we are on the subject, uh, you know, my wife is a pretty tough lady. And, uh, you know, I was telling Pastor the other day, you know, she's a very tough administrator. Uh, she leaves home by, I mean, uh, she leaves uh, the office by around 2.30 uh, to go home. And she works from home from 3 onwards. Uh, but when I go home, you know, I get asked this question. You know, what did you do? You know, from the time I left office till the time you've come now. You know, what did you do? What work did you do? And so I was telling Pastor, Pastor, you know, this is the kind of review I get every day. So, <laughs> and also I kind of uh, broke a promise today. You know, yesterday, uh, Aarti said, no, please don't use my name in vain. You know, <laughs> the thing is, uh, you know, whenever there's a... Uh, Life application, you know, this is, these are things which are closest to me. You know, what happens at home, what I experience with my wife and my daughter and so on. So I generally tend to, you know, share that. But then yesterday, said, don't use my name in vain. But uh, amen, God is great. God is, uh, he does some amazing things. Didn't expect this to happen. Okay, we're on the last, you know, last lap, the last 100 meters, you know, of this series, The Seven Spices, right? And we've been looking at Second uh, Peter chapter 1. And verses 5 onwards. And we've been uh, drawing out some insights from that. And, and Peter's been uh, really exhorting us, inspired by the Holy Spirit. He's exhorting us to go after, you know, to diligently go after. Diligently meaning, you know, in all seriousness, in all sincerity, to go after certain things. Right? And we've been seeing that uh, some seven qualities or seven virtues that we have been asked to go after. We've been asked to develop. Give our all to develop. And the reason is this. You know, we see, look at, uh, there are probably many reasons, but three reasons that we see in this chapter, this portion, uh, Second Peter chapter 1 and verse, uh, verse 4. Let's go there. Chapter 1 and verse 4 says, um, you know, that we are partakers of the divine nature. Now, something happened, something supernatural happened when you and I believed the Lord Jesus because of the precious promises that have been given to us, he says that we are partakers of this divine nature, that we experience God, that God indwells us, that we are partakers of this divine nature. And then in verse 5 he says, you know, for this very reason, giving all diligence, you know, you do these things. We have been, you know, placed in this world which is corrupt, but the fact is that we are partakers of this divine nature, right? And he's saying, you know, in order to live this world, live in this world, in order to live it well, you need to go after these qualities. You are a partaker of the divine nature. You have God living in you and dwelling you. But go after this. And the second reason he says in verse 8, he says, you know, you will be productive. You will not be barren. You will not be unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus if you go after these things. If you really give yourself, if you develop uh, yourself in these areas. 
And the third reason is that in what we see in verse 10, he says, you will never stumble. No, nothing will trip you up. There, will, there won't be anything to, to really short-circuit your, your life, your journey, your walk with God, if you diligently, in all seriousness, seek after these things. And we see that Peter was really, really serious about this. He was really serious about this, inspired by the Holy Spirit, compelled by the Holy Spirit. And he writes, and in verse 12, when we see, he says, For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. He says, now I'm going to remind you again and again. I know that you know these things. I know that you are established in the present truth. But for this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always. You know, as long as I'm alive, I'm going to keep reminding you. It's very, very important. It's very important to the heart of God. And I've been compelled by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to remind you of these things. And he says... In verse 15, moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my disease. He says, I will make sure that after I'm gone, that you will have a reminder of this, so you'll never forget it. And that's why, you know, uh, for all these reasons, we've been giving all this importance and all this focus in this passage. It's very, very important for us. Uh, it's not just another series that we're doing, but we really need to go after this, pursue it, and make sure that we develop these things uh, in our life. And he says, if you don't develop it, or if you lack these things, if you don't develop, then you are actually short-sighted. You can't see far beyond. No, you can't see with eyes of faith. You can only see the immediate. And uh, the second thing he says that sometimes you, know, you might even forget that you were cleansed from these old sins. You might reach a point in your life, if you're not, not actively pursuing these things, you might reach a point where you forget that one day you were cleansed. The way you forget uh, who you are in Christ, you will reach a point, and you might even fall back into your own old lifestyle. The very thing that you wanted to escape, the very thing that you detested at one point, in all probability you might even you know, step back into it. And he says, you know, we must give all diligence to pursue this. And the Message Bible reads this, reads like this. Let me read it for you. So don't lose a minute in building on what you've been given, complementing your basic faith with good character, spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate patience, reverent wonder, warm friendliness, and generous love. And that's exactly what we are going to uh, be doing, and uh, we're going to be looking at this last spice or last ingredient which he's been mentioning, which is generous love. We're going to add to our faith, develop along with our faith, generous love. Amen? So are we ready to do that? Okay, you have your Bibles open. So today we're going to look, about, uh, look at love. There are a lot of things, you know, people say about love. And uh, I was looking at the internet and found some interesting quotes on love. Okay, somebody called Bob Phillips says, Love is a state of mind which has nothing to do with the mind. And someone else says, Love, a temporary insanity curable by marriage. Plato, the great philosopher and thinker, says this, Love is a grave mental disease. Uh, somebody called Gracie Allen, Love is a lot like a backache. It doesn't show up on x-rays, but you know it's there. Uh, someone else, love is like math, a simple idea, but it can get complicated. And Mother Teresa says, you know, love is a fruit in season at all times and within reach of every hand. 
you know, I'm sure you've heard a lot about love the minute you, you know, tune into some uh, program on TV or you uh, tune into any, um, you know, FM channel. All the songs, I, I think almost 90, 95% of the songs are about love, about uh, love lost, about love gained, about, uh, you know, reaching for that uh, long lost love and, uh, you know, uh, and so on. A lot of love songs. So there are a lot of people who are talking about love, sharing their experience of love and giving their own interpretation of love. And uh, if you've seen these auto rickshaws, uh, you know, they, they have these very interesting message on love. You know, I saw one, uh, sorry, what is that? Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to share. Love is slow poison, you know, and, uh, and other profound messages on our uh, city's auto rickshaws. Uh, you don't see too much of those nowadays, but, uh, but that's, uh, that's what is happening. So it's good that we go to, you know, the, go to the Bible, our final authority, our reference point, our plumb line, and really see what God has to say about love. In fact, a lot of people have said, you know, they said that the Bible is, is one long love letter from God's heart to us, right? And God is love. He is love personified. And so when we look at the word, we see, you know, some descriptions of love, some definitions of love, and it's good to do that. In the New Testament, there are four words, four Greek words, which actually talk about love. The first one is storgi, which means affection. Philia, which means friendship or brotherly love. Then there is eros, which is passionate love or with physical intimacy. Then uh, the fourth one is agape, which is sacrificial or unconditional love. You know, the fourth one, you know, it's not a very glamorous kind of a love. It's not something that makes you feel, uncom- I mean, it makes you feel comfortable, right? It's unconditional. It's uh, sacrificial. And uh, that's the kind of love which is, uh, which is almost exclusive to the New Testament. Some of the Bible scholars, scholars say that uh, this word agape, you know, it, was, uh, it is almost exclusive to the New Testament. And it's very rarely found in other Greek uh, manuscripts of those, of those times. So agape in the New Testament. It is an undefeatable benevolence, unconquerable goodwill that always seeks the highest good of the other person no matter what he or she does. It is self-giving love that gives freely without asking anything in return and does not consider the worth of its object. So we see that um, it's a higher love. In fact, people have said it's a by-choice love. You know, love can be sometimes because of love. You know, I love you because you are handsome. I love you because you're beautiful. I love you because you, you, know, you make me laugh. I love you because you make me happy. So many reasons, you know. Love can be a because of love. But here we see this love, which is in spite of love. Unconditional. No strings attached. In spite of. And it's a by choice love, which means it involves your will more than it involves your emotions. It involves our will more than it involves our emotions, which means that um, you know, it's slightly tough on the body. It's slightly tough on the person right? It's sacrificial. It's not all that glamorous. But yet, the Bible talks about it in, um, in great depth. It's a profound kind of love, a higher love. In fact, it is the God kind of love, the God kind of love. And uh, 
this particular chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, you know, I'm sure at every wedding it's read either before the vows or after the vows, or it somewhere finds its place, you know, in every wedding. You know, love is this, that, that, and I don't know how much of it goes in, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's a chapter which really hurts sometimes, right? And in fact, uh, as I was preparing, I, I did a lot more repenting than, uh, you know, than in recent times. As I read through that, 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 is actually in three sections. The verses 1 to 3 talks about uh, love with respect to gifts or the usage of gifts or acts of service and even martyrdom. talks about that. Uh, verses 4 to, if you go down to verse 7, it gives a description. It says, love is this, love is not this. A love does all this, but love doesn't do all this. It gives a description of love. And then verses 8 to 13 uh, talks about, that really qualifies love. He says, it talks about the eternal aspect of love, the quality of it, the eternal aspect of love. So let's uh, go through this list. So let's turn to 1 Corinthians 13 in our Bibles, and let's go through it. It says, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Verse 2, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, he says, I am nothing. These two verses talking about the gifts, the usage of gifts. He says, you know, you might talk, you might speak with tongues of men and tongues of angels. You could move in all, you know, the revelation gift. You could move in gifts of faith so that it could remove mountains. And he says, but if there is no love, he says, I'm nothing. If there is no love, then it's, it's a loud noise which is out of place. And uh, we should see from what context, from what perspective Paul is writing this. You know, if you see 1 Corinthians 12, he's beginning to teach about gifts in the church. And 1 Corinthians 14, he's talking about the usage of gifts again in the church, spiritual gifts. He's talking about the prophecy and word of knowledge, wisdom, and, and the list goes on. And chapter 13, right in the middle between these two chapters, he's talking about love. He's saying, you know, if there is no love, then there is every chance that the gifts will be misused or gifts will be abused. These gifts are good. God has given them. He's the source. He wants the church to enjoy. But if there is no love, if it is not motivated with love and sustained with love, he says, no, then it's, it's going to be uh, unprofitable. Let's read verse 3. Verse 3 says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, oh, he's really, you know, shifting gears now. He's saying, I, though I bestow all my goods, all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Very strong words. It says you might do whatever acts of service. You know, you can be the most generous person on the earth. But if that is not motivated out of love, then he says it's, it profits me nothing. He literally cancels it out. Just, you know, draws a line. He just strikes it out and he says it's nothing. So the importance of this God kind of love 
in service, the importance of God kind of love in the usage of gifts in our church, and even for reaching out. What is it that motivates us? Is it love? You know, uh, when we were in Coimbatore, we went for an outreach. It was with the YWCA women, and, uh, and we, uh, we guys, the youth of the church, uh, we were asked to go and sing. And we went to an old, uh, you know, uh, uh, an old age home. And, uh, and that's, that's when it really, you know, this particular thing really struck me. You know, everybody was, uh, in, everybody wanted to go there and do these things, give away these cakes and, uh, you know, uh, give, give that rice and everything which were taken and dal and give it to the sisters. And, and the fact is that everybody was, you know, had a checklist. Okay, done. Okay, songs, singing songs, over. Uh, you know, rice and dal given, over. Cakes distributed, okay, let's go. We're done, done for the thing. The plan for, you know, the entire year is done. Let's go back now. And I was left thinking, you know, hey, we need to talk to these people. And some of them were looking at us with longing eyes, and some of them, some, some of them had been, you know, uh, admitted there by their uh, children, and, and children had left and gone, and they didn't know where their children were. Everything that we do, you know, act of service, you know, sometimes it can get very, uh, you know, we can, uh, we can get jaded in it. I can be, you know, we can get very insensitive. It's a job that I do. But, uh, you know, is it tempered with love? Is it motivated out of love? Okay, something for us to think about. Verse 4 to 7. So here, he's actually describing love. No, this is what love is. And this is what he says. Verse 4. Love suffers long. In other words, love is patient. So he's saying, love is patient. And, you know, in today's world, where everything is schedule-driven and deadline-driven and uh, reports were actually expected yesterday and so on, you know, it's, we are rushing from one place to another, appointments and so on, it's very easy to really foster and develop this sense of impatience in us. Because, uh, hey, I, I need to be in 10 different places and I'm here and, you know, we can develop this ability or, or, or this quality of impatience rather than being patient. You know, Nick Cuthbert, the author of the interesting book, says, this book's title is, you know, How to Survive and Thrive as a Church Leader. I was reading it quite uh, recently, and he, he, you know, he recounts a conversation which he has with this person, who's another minister who comes to him for counsel, and he says, you know, Nick, I'm rushing from here and there and everywhere. And then he says, you know, I'm so busy that I flush the toilet even before I'm done. And, uh, but Nick, instead of laughing, he says, hey man, you know what? I have the same problem. You know, I'm, I'm, in a rush. I'm in a rush. I'm not even able to relax. My mind is already on 10 different things. I'm already planning. I'm already out of the house. So much so, you know, this happens. And we can be very, very, in such a setting, we can be very impatient with people. We want people to hurry up. We want people to, you know, we can be very impatient with people. But if we, we want to demonstrate this kind of love, which means we have to demonstrate patience. Amen. Love is patient. In other words, love waits. Love waits. Maybe you're a young person. Maybe you're quoting someone. Love waits. Love does not rush to compromise on standards of morality, standards of purity, and biblical standards that you know to be true. Love waits. Love is patient. Okay. Second one, he says, love is kind. 
So we need to ask ourselves, you know, is there kindness in my speech, in my action? You know, is there kindness in my speech, in my action? And normally with those people whom we live day in and day out, you know, your spouse, your child, we need to ask ourselves, is there kindness in my speech? Is there kindness in my action? You know, where have all the pleas and thank you and you know, opening of doors and, and all that, where have all they gone? We became so used to, we became so, you know, used to people being there. We know that anyway they will come. No matter what happens, they will be there anyway. You know, love is kind. Love is kind. We need to be kind in our speech, kind in our action, in areas like marriage, maybe b- between siblings, maybe to our aging parents. You know, we are, sometimes we can be so rude in our speech, in our action with our aging parents. They're aging, they don't understand, and they do things so slowly, and they really get on the nerves sometimes with instruction after instruction after instruction, do this. You know, it's sometimes so tough, but your love is kind. If you want to demonstrate this God kind of love, it means that we should be kind in our speech and kind in our action. Love does not envy. Do I feel unhappy when someone receives appreciation or achieves success? You know, siblings, you know, when your brother or your sister you know, achieves some kind of success, when there's appreciation, do I feel unhappy? Is there some kind of you know, a, a general uh, churning happening inside that's envy. And it says your yeah, love does not envy. Sometimes it can happen between spouses also. Love does not envy. Love does not parade, exalt, flaunt itself. Love is not puffed up. No, it's not proud or boastful. You know, a lot of us have this eye problem, you know. Nothing to do with the vision. It's like, um, you know, you know I, I know a relative of mine. He's like, if somebody's, you know, horning, if somebody's... Uh, Pressing the horn, okay, man, okay, I'm going. He's constantly talking. Okay, you want to go, you go. Wait, can't you see I'm coming? And, you know, you, you know, roll over the window and say a few things. You know, I've been tempted to carry a box of, you know, eggs sometimes. Just to, but I, every time, you know, I repent. And, uh, and in fact, as I went through this list, you know, God's been saying, hey, you need to change in a lot of areas. So I'm not speaking from a place of, you know, having done there, having been there, done that, and therefore, you know, I want you to, you know, follow it. No, no, no. I just want to say that uh, I was just invited by pastor to share this morning, and I'm a work in progress like all of us are. I'm a work in progress, and we are all, you know, with all sincerity, with all diligence, we are going after this. Amen? Right. Love does not seek its own, is not selfish, Love is not provoked. In other words, it's not easily angered. Love thinks no evil, does not keep track of wrongs, does not keep, does not keep score. You know, sometimes we, we fight and somebody wins the fight and then uh, there's mental score. One, love. This round, okay, goes to you. And there's another round and then one, all. Oh, I need to do better. You know, we fight and we keep score. It says here, love does not keep score, does not keep track of wrongs. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. It does not celebrate in acts of sin. It keeps away from it. In fact, it is hurt when there is, you know, when there is indulgence of sin, whether it's in our own lives or whether it's in the life of other people. In fact, love hurts to see that um, iniquity happening. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. Love rejoices in the truth. 
Love bears, love believes, love hope, hopes, and love endures all things. Love bears. Love is able to bear up against or you know against incredible pressure or incredible heartache. This God kind of love still goes on. Love believes the impossible. Love believes the best of the other person. It's that kind of love that we're talking about. Love hopes and love endures. Love believes all the things that God said. All the things. Love hopes for the experience of all things that God said. And that is love. That is agape. And then we go on to verses 8 to 13, which talks about the eternal aspect of love. You know, love is all this. And then Paul says, you know, love never fails. In other words, he's saying, you know, you will never run out of it. Love will not come to an end. Love will continue. Love is eternal. And then he talks about the gifts. He says, you know, whether they are tongues, they will, seal, they will cease. Prophecies, yes, they will come to an end. Knowledge will vanish away. But love will remain. For in, in the age to come, after the second coming, there will be no more use for tongues because you will see him face to face. There will be no more use for prophecies because we will be taught of the Lord face to face. And he says, you know, but love, it's going to remain. It's going to continue. It's going to continue. And in verse 13, again says, faith, hope, and love. And it's not saying, you know, this is, you know, this is a greater quality, but what he's saying is that the greatest is love because love is going to continue. Faith will one day become sight. Faith will one day become sight. And what you're hoping for will one day become your experience. But love will continue. Love will remain. So the greatest, he says, is love. But look at verse, uh, uh, chapter 14 and verse 1. He says, pursue love. You know, love is all this. You know, it's, it's good to talk about it. But then he's saying, you pursue it. Pursue this kind of love. Pursue this kind of love. Go after it. The love that forgives, the love that bears all things, the love that hopes, the love that believes, the love that endures. You know, pursue it. And he also says, desire spiritual gifts. It's not a trade-off between love and gifts. It's not a trade-off between anointing and character. No, both go hand in hand. He says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. We need both. So go after it. Go all out. And go after it. Amen? Amen. Let's look at some more scriptures on love. 1 John chapter 3 and uh, verses 17 to 19. 1 John chapter 3 verses 17 to 19. It says, But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Let us not love in word. It's so easy to write love letters. It's so easy to pick up that phone and have that conversation and say, you know, a thousand times, I love you, I love you, oh, you love me too, oh, I love you too, and you hang up, no, I'll hang up, you hang up. 
I don't want to hang up. It's very easy to do that. But when your wife asks you in the middle of the night, can you go to the kitchen and get me a glass of water? I'm telling you, that's love in action. So what John is writing here is, you know, love is actually a verb. It's not something that you meditate upon. It's not something that you contemplate upon. Yes, it's good. It doesn't stop there. Love is action. Love is a verb. He says, you know, let's love in deed and in truth. And that's what God did. John 3 and verse 16. God so loved the world that he gave. God so loved the world that he reached out, that he gave so that we need not be lost, so that we can spend eternity with him. God so loved, and that's the example that we have. Love is action. And love is also truth. It is not pretense, or it is not hypocrisy, it is not falsehood. If you see something wrong, and if you don't tell the person, you know, there's something wrong, I think this is the way to do it, then it is not loving in truth. You know, some of us, we don't like to rock the boat. You know, we just want to go with the flow. It's okay, you know, someone will tell him, or someone will tell her some point or the other. But some of us, you know, we want to speak the truth. Hey, what you see is what you get, brother. You know, I don't mince words. I will speak it as it is, like it is. Now, both extremes are not good. Because scripture exhorts us to speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. So when we bring correction or when we bring discipline with an attitude or with a motive, with a correct attitude, with the right motive, then that is love. That is loving indeed and in truth. When there is correction, it is actually love in action. Love indeed and in truth. So to receive correction when it's done with the right attitude, when it's done with the, with the right motive, is actually receiving love. Amen? So let's move on to the next one. 1 John chapter 4, the next chapter, verses 9 to 12. In this the love of God was manifested towards us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. He says, you know, it's not that you loved God. It's not that you did anything for God. Even before you had these thoughts towards God, he still loved you. And he went to the cross because of his love for you. And then he says, he throws the challenge, he says, you know, we ought to love each other. We ought to love other, each other in the same manner. We ought to so love each other. And he goes on to say, you know, if we love one another, God abides in us. Oh, that's so powerful. If we love one another, you know, if we love the way God wants us to love, irrespective of the response of the other person or the reaction of the other person, he says, if you love, God abides with us. God abides in us. You will experience the power of God. You will experience more of God. All of us want more of God. We want to experience more of God. We want to experience His goodness. And He says here, if you love one another, God abides with us. And, uh, you know, I kind of um, experienced this for real quite recently. We had a, actually a get-together and uh, outside uh, somewhere. 
and uh, we were all supposed to wash our plates, and this person didn't wash. And I was getting all hot and bothered about it. And uh, you know, I, I went and told, you know, why don't you wash? But uh, didn't. But then God said, why don't you wash? Why don't you wash his plate? And uh, now my body was just, uh, you know, I just wanted to rebuke and you know, resist all that. But um, I said, okay, let me try that. But the moment I washed his plate, you know, I kid you not, I experienced the peace of God. The tangible peace of God. My heart was singing. You know, I was all bothered. I was all hot and bothered. I was getting all upset. I know it's a small thing. You just washed somebody's plate. But the minute I did that, you know, my heart was singing. So it's for real, right? God abides with us. You experience God irrespective of the other person's reaction, lack of response. And he says... You know, when we do that, God abides in us and His love has been perfected in us. His love has been perfected in us. It's not that His love is deficient in any way, but our expression of it, it matures. His love is perfected in us. God abides with us. We experience God and His love is perfected in us. And there's more. Verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. As you know, we abide in God as we love one another, as we continue to love the way God expects us to love. Just being obedient to Him, we experience His touch, we experience His presence. His love is being perfected in us and something else happens, happens to us. We are released from fear. Perfect love, this maturing of love, casts out all kinds of fear. John chapter 13 and verses 34 and 35 You know, Jesus said this. He said, uh, John chapter 13, let's go there quickly. Okay, 13 and verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So he's saying, you know, this is your identification mark. You know, when in our passport or anything, you know, we write identification mark, a black mole on your left elbow, something. He says, this is your identification mark, that you are my disciples. All will know that you are my disciples. How? When you have love for one another. When you have this kind of love for one another. And it's amazing, you know, he doesn't say, you know, you, you, you start singing about it and all that. You know, so many times we, you know, we've done everything except this. Maybe that's why the world still hasn't known the love of God. Maybe that's why the world is still not being drawn to the love of God. He says, this is the identification mark. If you have love for one another. And uh, one last reference, 1 John chapter 4 and verses 20 and 21. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. You know, there's no point in saying, I love God, and saying, you know, I intensely dislike this person. I just can't stand this person. It says, you're actually a liar when you say you love God. Now, uh, it's good to hear about all this and say, you know, I, it's good, this love is good, love thing is good, yes, the world needs more of it. But the fact is that you and I are invited 
to this love to experience this love to express this love to demonstrate this love and some of our responses could be you know it's too difficult i don't want to want, i don't even want to talk about it please i don't want to step into it or maybe some people can say you know i want to walk in this kind of love but i'm unable to some people can say you know it doesn't suit my personality you know i'm i'm this abrasive person you know uh, all this love is um, all this weak at the knees stuff it's not for me i'm actually a tough person you know if you're saying that so this kind of love is actually for tough people it's a tough love it's going to be very demanding so we can't say it doesn't suit my personality or maybe you can say you know my bp doesn't uh, permit it you know my high blood pressure and all that just by listening to it it's all going up but you know the fact is the the reason that god has really invited us the reason that he has said he's put it in scripture is because because it is possible is because it is possible now god knows that it's uh, it's not by our human energy that we can accomplish this it's by his anointing it's by the power of the holy spirit nothing else amen as we uh, as we you know yield to his love as we make a choice to yield to his leading you know we will walk in it we can walk in it you know um, like obama said yes we can <laughs> you know and the fact is that jesus is our example jesus is our role model when jesus walked on the earth he walked as man he walked as man and under the anointing he did the things that he did he came to destroy the works of the enemy he healed the sick he reached out and touched those lepers he cleansed the lepers he raised the dead he did all that under the power of the anointing by the power of the holy spirit and we have the same anointing of the holy spirit in fact jesus said if you believe in me you will do the works that i do and greater works than these no you will do john chapter 14 if you believe in me and sometimes when we think about the works of god you know we think only about healing and the supernatural it includes all that and much more this aspect of love also this aspect of walking in forgiveness walking in love we are able able to do it by the power of the holy spirit so another thing what we read in romans 5:5 5, is this when paul is explaining uh, what has happened to us as believers he says in verse 5 now hope does not disappoint because the love of god has been poured out in our hearts by the holy spirit who was given to us you know he's really nailed every argument that you can raise every excuse that we can say he says the love of god the agape of god has actually been poured into your heart when you became a believer the holy spirit came to indwell you and he has poured out this love into your hearts in other words he's saying you know you have the capacity as a child of god as the one who in whom the spirit indwells you have the capacity to walk like this you have the capacity so don't fool yourself that you can't no that's a lie don't give in to that lie no just know and acknowledge and agree with the word that yes i have the capacity to walk in this kind of love and people did it stephen when he was being martyred you know he said the same words that jesus did jesus said on the cross he said you know father please forgive them don't hold this sin against them the early disciples did and it's time that we as a church of the living god 
as sons and daughters of the living God, that we walk the way Jesus walked. That we walk the way Jesus walked. The same love has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The love that touched and cleansed the lepers. The the love that broke the power of the devil. The love that reached out in compassion. The love that fed the multitude. The love that forgives. The love that conquers all. That same kind of agape has been given to us. The only problem we face is, you know, when it comes to expressing it, because it's through our will, it's through our emotions, it's through our personality, and we hit a roadblock called the flesh. And God knows it. And Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, verse 17, sorry, says, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. You have a desire to walk in love, but the flesh lusts against the spirit. So the answer is this, the previous verse, 5.16, it says, Walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Walk in the Holy Ghost, and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So walking in the spirit is not really something so complex and something you know, ethereal and wispy and you know, uh, something out there, but it's very, very pragmatic, very practical. As the Spirit of God prompts us, as the Spirit of God leads us, we take a moment-by-moment choice. We make a moment-by-moment choice to obey the voice of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is there to prompt us, to lead us. And in fact, He is there to, to pray, to intercede on our behalf, even as we pray in the Spirit, even as we pray in tongues. Because sometimes we don't know, know what we should pray for, but He strengthens us. He, he prays that perfect prayer. And we are strengthened and we can walk the way he wants us to walk. So it's a moment-by-moment choice. So yes, we can. It is possible. But it's not going to be all that glamorous and all that uh, you know, devoid of pain. It will involve pain. There will be pain in the journey. But uh, that is what God has called us to do. To truly represent him. To truly be Christ-like. Amen. So... Uh, we just made a declaration, um, is removed that word love and put, you know, I. Now, Arti and I did this, uh, you know, early days of our marriage. Uh, what we did was, you know, we printed out, you know, love is kind, love is, so we removed I and, you know, I put Arti's name there and I suck it in, you know, uh, in a place. And so I would make those, you know, declaration, Arti is kind, Arti is patient and uh, really works. Amen. And she did the same. She did the same. She would make a list and, you know, and, and confess that. Um, I think we need to get back to it. You know, uh, there's this uh, declaration, so if uh, Vijay is ready, we'll... Are we ready to declare it? Amen? So we know, you know, we have, we have the capacity. Now we are going to declare by faith, but it doesn't stop there. You know, like we saw, it is a walk of the Spirit. It is a moment-by-moment choice. Amen? Right. Okay, let's declare, you know, uh, say it like we mean it. I'm patient. Come on, louder. You know, sometimes uh, the person next to you, might be your spouse, maybe looking at you, what? <laughs> but that's okay. Okay, please, uh, you know, spouses don't, uh, you know, give that elbow jab. You know, it's a declaration of faith. Let's help one another. Right? Let's help one another. Let's encourage and exhort one another. Okay, let's start all over again. <laughs> I'm patient.
I am kind. I will not envy. I will not parade myself. I am not boastful or proud. I will not behave rudely. I will not be selfish. I will not be easily angered. I will not keep track of wrongs done to me. I rejoice in the truth. I bear, I believe, I hope, and I endure all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. 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 Shall we all stand to our feet and let's pray. And, uh, you know, uh, even as we went through this list, I'm sure that some of us were saying, you know, uh, God, it's so tough, it's so difficult, and, uh, you know, I've slipped in so many ways, but I really want to come back. And, uh, you know, I want to come back to you. Uh, and God is, uh, you know, he's, he's, he respects that, that response. And maybe you've been saying, you know, God, I've never even started doing this. You know, all this is, uh, you know, it's just going over me. I, I feel that this, the place where I am, the state where I am in, is going to take a lot to get into this. But the scripture says that he is the one, the spirit is the one who brings us to a place of willing. And he also enables us, empowers us. Amen. So let's, let's pray this morning as the worship team comes. And uh, let's just reflect a bit on what we heard. And just commit our lives to God and say, God, I am yours. I'm your child. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. Lord, you've led me so faithfully, this milestone after milestone, and you've brought me to this place and this journey. God, it is your will that I reflect this love, this character in my life. It is your will that I demonstrate this, oh God. Not when I want to, but Lord, at every opportunity, oh God. So I come before you. We come before you, O oh God, in repentance this morning, O oh God. We come before you, Lord, for all those times that we've really not walked in agreement with this. Lord, we're sorry that we've fallen so short at times, God. Lord, we've relied in our own strength to make things happen in our own energy, in our own willpower. But Lord, this morning I give you my heart, I give you my soul. Have your way in me, O oh God. Have your way in me, O oh God. Because I want to honor you by demonstrating this love. Lord, even if it's difficult, O oh God. Even if it's so difficult, O oh Master Lord. Even if the other person is not worthy, Lord, of this love. Time and again, Lord, I've been abused. Time and again, O oh God. But Lord, this morning, I'm making that decision to love. To walk in that love. To demonstrate that love. Because I know that you abide in me. I know that I will experience your abiding presence. God, I know that I will experience that maturing of your love, that perfecting of your love, which releases me from all kinds of fear, O oh God. So here I am, Lord. Take my will. I surrender it. It's yours, O oh God. Let's just talk to God this morning. Just talk to him in your own words. and Just tell him how you feel this morning and tell him that you need to get back if you need to get back. And just ask him for that anointing, for that empowering, because he's more than willing to pour out. He's more than willing to give. He's more than willing. Oh, yes, oh God, we thank you. We thank you, oh God. Yes, oh God, Lord, your kind of love. Lord, while we were yet sinners, Lord, you loved us, Master. Lord, so many times, oh God, we rejected you, oh God. We rejected your invitation. We spurned your love. But Lord, yet you came back, oh, like that account in the about the prodigal son. While the son was far away, he was yet a distance. He was not yet sure of his place in the family. He thought he'll be a servant. 
and the father ran and the father ran lord we thank you that you extend that kind of love to us master and you expect us to do the same oh god because we are yours hallelujah god wants to remind us this morning that he's a god of second chances and he really doesn't keep track you know maybe this is your third chance or fourth chance that god is extending to you and saying you know come back come back and maybe there's someone here who's saying you know i don't i have not really really invited this god who loves me so much into my heart you know jesus is love personified and he's extending his arms to you this morning if you've never ever you know made that decision to invite him into your life and made that decision to follow him all the days of your life you know you can do that and just draw near to god and say god i need you i need to experience this kind of love i need you in my life i need my life to be changed there's too much stuff going on in my life so i want to come back to you i want to come back to you oh god amen thank you oh god you know like we heard love is action so if god is putting on your heart to do something you know to that person maybe you ill treated or you know that person to whom you were rude or you were unkind or you were impatient or you know um if god is putting that in your heart then uh, follow it up with action let it not just remain something you know in your mind or in your heart follow it up with action his power is there he's given you that capacity to love like he does amen father we thank you for the decisions made in this place lord you heard it every cry of the heart you heard it god and father we thank you for gently drawing us with your love for empowering us with your love for pouring your love into our hearts and father we want to go from here and really demonstrate that love god so that the world will know that we are your disciples that we are your followers oh god lord to this end we pray oh god in jesus name amen now with the grace of our lord jesus know the love the agape of god the father and the fellowship and the communion and the empowering of the holy spirit now be with us now and the days to come amen amen god bless have a great week we trust that this message was a blessing to you we'd love to hear from you you can email us at contact@apcwo.org Also visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.